Some of you are very well aware that the Lord sent me to Washington, D.C. last week. I'm going to clear up a few things about that real quick, and then we're going to talk about that. So <clears throat> last week at some time, Thursday, Friday, I don't remember, the Lord said, go to Washington, D.C. I want you to pray over the nation and over the nations, but specifically over the power structure of this country. And so that's what I did. Uh, I was not there to promote uh, 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 Donald Trump. I was not there to promote uh, Joseph Biden. I wasn't there to promote anyone but Jesus Christ in this kingdom. <clears throat> when I got there, uh, President Trump um, had, st- had not yet begun to speak. Uh, I wasn't necessarily waiting for him to speak, but um, I walked up. Uh, if you've been to the Washington Mall, there was just uh, I, there was between one and two million people. I think the last estimate I saw was one and a quarter million. There's a lot of people. And the Lord said, go up to the Washington Monument. Well, I got up there, and it was just so many people. I mean, there were just hundreds of thousands of people. I couldn't get to where I wanted to go, so I, I was able finally, if you've been there before, you know that you got the Washington Monument, and then around it uh, is a sidewalk. You have to step up on a, level, on a piece of ground about two feet higher, three feet higher, to get to the, the piece of ground, the plateau, as it were, where the Washington Monument sits, and there was no possible way to get there. And I'm thinking, okay, I feel like you told me to do this, but now I can't get there. People are all over the place. So I just put my feet on the sidewalk and began to pray in the Spirit, which I had already done. I had gone. I was praying the Spirit all the way from the car, which was a mile and seven, mile point seven away, all the way up. And then maybe 45 minutes into me being there, an hour or something, a gentleman had come from South Africa, and we had talked for a while. Um, and several other people. In fact, I wondered if it was an angel. At this moment, I wonder if he was an angel because he just looked like there was just a glow about him. Um, and uh, he, he immediately was drawn to me and me to him. And that, that, normally when that happens, um, that's what that is. But anyways, um, then the Lord said, now. And I turned around and I walked about 10 feet and there was, uh, stepped up on the step and there's just like a <laughs> red sea parted. And I went straight up to the Washington Monument. The Lord said, bend down, touch that corner and begin to pray. So that's what I did. And then I walked clockwise around it. I tried to Facebook Live it so you guys could see. What happened was <clears throat> Iran had made a threat that, it, that um, they were going to bring retribution against President Trump and in Washington that day because of taking out Soleimani last year. And so the word got spread around pretty quickly that they cut um, access to be able to make calls or texts or anything. In fact, the only reason I got that text was before, before that happened, a friend of mine, David Heinz, had sent me that article and said, dude, be careful. Who knows what's going to happen today? I walked around clockwise, prayed in the spirit. When I got back around to the side that faced the Lincoln Memorial, erupting out of my spirit was, you shall not have this republic. It was not something that I had heard to that moment. It certainly was not something premeditated by me, but it erupted out of my spirit. And a friend of mine messaged me last night. I'm going to read what she sent, and I believe in her uh, prophetically. Um, and then, so I put this, I wanted people to know because immediately, you know, those that hate Trump, you know, of course, then they immediately hate me because I was there and those that, that, or vice versa. And I'm like, look, this is, this was not about Donald Trump. If God wants to use Donald Trump, Lord knows if he can use a, a, a donkey in the old Testament and a rooster in the new Testament, he can use Trump or Biden or any of the rest of them he wants to use, including somebody like Josh Bunton. So it's not for me to tell God who to use or who not to use. This is not me talking about something politically to promote or to be against people that have, that God has in office. I will say this, Jesus looked one day at Pilate and said, let me tell you something, you would have no power at all over me except it were given you from above. And so whoever happens to be in power, I can promise you the one that is an ultimate power is Jesus Christ the righteous who sits at the right hand of the Father. Oh, man. And he said, all dominion and all power has been given unto me both in heaven, in earth, and beneath the earth. 
Remember, he said, I am he that was dead, am alive, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And by the way, not Trump, not Biden, not Iran, not Iraq, not the United States, but I hold the keys of death and of hell. Jesus is the one that holds those keys. And as long as they're in his hand, I ain't really worried about it. And yet, in this realm, nothing happens until there's a declaration made. God, we don't know how long God may have thought of there being an earth. But until he said, let there be light, there was no light except the light that dwelt in him. When I said, you shall not have the republic, I believe that it was a prophetic declaration over the spirit of Jezebel that has long tried to prostitute the goodness that God created this nation to be. On both sides of the aisle, you like it or don't like it, both sides of the aisle, they're still part of the same aisle. There's there's the flip side of the same coin, and yet God is putting people specifically in places of government and in places of authority that are going to cast out the naysayers, that are going to cast out those that are of their father, the devil, because this nation will be a nation after the father's heart. And the whole, my God, if you ever read Psalm 24, it says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Anybody that thinks, well, the devil, taken over. You hadn't read your book yet. You have no idea what you're talking about. He's defeated. He's restricted. In fact, Jesus killed him according to Paul. The Bible says that Jesus by death conquered him that had the power of death. Jesus destroyed him that had the power of death. So you read it however you want to read it. They better start teaching some real stuff in Sunday school. I'm not talking about here, but my God, we need more than John 3.16. Thank God for John 3.16. That gets you in the door. But there's a whole vast kingdom. There's a dominion that God has has given to the earth. Oh, I'm preaching and I think what I wanted to talk about, but in kind kind of this. (laughs) So lest you worry, lest you be afraid, nothing is happening or has happened in secret or in public, that Jesus didn't already see and authorize. At some point, at some point in history, we're going to have to stop relying on loud politicians and we're going to have to stand up as a prophetic people that have the voice of their father and say, not on my watch, not, on, not, not while I'm alive. I will look at my six children and say, let me tell you something. That with whatever God gave me, whatever that is, with whatever authority that I carry in the heavens, with whatever was imparted to me by Tony Bunton and Sidney Smith and Charles Johnson and Kelly Varner and Jesse Slade and the others, whatever lives inside of me that they left here, it will not go to the grave with me. I will stand against the forces of darkness and I will declare against Jezebel, you shall not have this republic it's going to be crazy and wild today so if this ain't your type you know where the door is I love you to pieces but if you want to see what needs to be happening in this generation you might want to fasten your safety belts because it gets better or worse depending on your perspective As I, there were things that I've been made privy to and I'm not, I'm not a special person in the world standards, I probably never will be, and I don't care to be. But I'm very special to the Lord. And the Bible says the Lord does nothing except he first reveals it unto his servants, the prophets. So when someone with the prophetic word of God that carries the prophetic burden speaks, you might want to do yourself a favor and listen. So I'm not going to look at the clock today. If you have to go, I promise you, no condemnation. Well, we'll be out before three. So I know there's like three that are going to still be here with <laughs> that. I mean, yeah, I'm going to show Today I'm going to talk about this because I believe that what we're going through right now, things that we know about and things that we don't know about, that is a p- parallel to things that were experienced during Jesus' days of being crucified. I believe that. In fact, yesterday the Lord, well, I've been 
dialoguing with the Lord. You know, when, you, when, you, when the Lord is inside of you, you dialogue. I don't know if it's like you. With me, I just talk to the Lord. You know, I don't just go pray at night before I go to bed. It, we have a continual dialogue. In fact, I never stop talking to him. Even if I'm, even if I'm fl- messed up and got a bad attitude or whatever, I still talk to him. And he talks, believe me, he talks to me when I'm that way too. Uh, he's a good father. And, and, and a perfect father always brings about perfect discipline. Uh, but I'm talking to him and the Lord said, uh, the Lord said, I want you to look at four major characters uh, regarding the, the surroundings of Jesus' crucifixion. I said, what are the four major characters? And he said, here they are. There's Caesar, there's Caiaphas, there was a criminal, and there was the Christ. Caesar, Caiaphas, a criminal, Barabbas, and the Christ. And I believe we're, we're going to explore for a few minutes this morning. I believe that probably most of us, if not all of us, in today's uh, geopolitical crisis, and it is a crisis that we're facing. You may not believe it. You, just because the guy that you voted may have gotten in does not, does not mean that we're not in a crisis. Look, if you don't think we're in a crisis, you need to turn your TV off and stop listening to those clowns on TV that, are, that have been, that have been uh, programmed to program you. Think about this. Do you remember like five years ago, like a 60-inch TV would cost you $2,500? But you can go to Walmart today and get a 60-inch TV for $400? What does that say? It says they want you to see something. They want everybody to have a front row seat at what they're trying to tell you. I don't want to get off into a whole lot of crazy stuff, but you might want to look into something called, called Operation Mockingbird. It's a CIA program where they wanted to, they're going to tell the news sources what they want the American people to believe. In fact, the people around the world, and that's what they're going to repeat again and again and again until like little robots, we say what we believe, what we believe is the truth because we've heard it again and again and again. This is, these are facts. You can look this up as far as right now unless they purge this as well, you can look, you can bring out the internet button and push the Google machine or the Google button on the internet machine or DuckDuckGo or whatever you want to look and find out that this is an actual truth and they want you to see what they're trying to tell you. The truth of it is we're in a political crisis. Did you know 2,000 years ago the Israeli people, the the Jewish people, which at that time were God's people and yet he was going to begin to open up the gospel to the Gentiles, they were in a geopolitical crisis. They were literally under Roman occupation. They hated the Romans. And there are some of you, depending on your political persuasion, that probably either hate Biden or you hate Trump. And we're not supposed to hate anybody. You can hate what they stand for, and if you knew what some of them stood for, you probably would hate them, and you probably should, at least what they do. But we're children of the king. But listen, I want to talk about the climate, but I'm going to use biblical reference. I need to read my notes, and I want to get, I want to get, uh, this is what was sent to me this morning. So I put on Facebook, as you, as those of you that follow me, if you don't, no problem. I got half the people that follow me, I don't know them. It's funny to me when they want to call me out, I'm like, do you know me? Do you, do you know anything about me? And I, and the Lord said to this, he said this to me, he said, why did I teach him parables? I put it on Facebook, and I said, what? He said, because the masses were able to hear my words, but my disciples knew my heart. If you know me, thank you, sir, I appreciate you. I thank you for what you did. It doesn't hurt my feelings. It, sometimes it does take a toll with people that know you that should know better take their shots, and they do that. People that don't know me, take, that's, just, that's just their ignorance. I don't have a problem with it. Ignorant people are ignorant. You can't help them. You know, you can't fix stupid. They're just stupid. They are what they are. They're a product of the way they've been brought up or raised or trained or whatever. I'm not mad at them, but let's just be honest. There are some dumb people out there. And people look, offended people can always find a reason to be offended. In fact, they look for reasons to be offended because that's what they feed on. I'm just not going to hurry today. If you let me just take my time, I promise I'll get to where I want to go. I don't want to have to hurry today. 
So this was what was sent to me. So I put on there, um, this was sent to me, and I believe it bears repeating, in this house as a means of prophesying some cleansing water into the cloud that hovers over America. This is what was sent to me. In our tears and agony, we hold our children close and confront the truth. Now, this was a silhouette. The, 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 the thing that was sent to me was a, was a silhouette of a pregnant woman. <clears throat> In fact, I'm just going to pull up the whole thing. Here we go. This is what was sent to me. I saw this today and was immediately reminded of your post about praying around the monument and some people's offense about its Egyptian historical roots, which made me laugh initially because I thought, wow, they missed the point entirely. I thought, me too. And yet that seemingly trite reference came back to me round again. You said, you shall not have this republic, which reminded me of Moses' words, let my people go. We all know the story of Moses and his great leadership against the Pharaoh. But little do we know of who the Pharaoh answered to. At that time, he followed Ra, Amon's son, the God, God the creator. A false creator, obviously. The same God ascribed to the obelisk. Funny coincidence, maybe, but maybe not. Maybe, just maybe, it was a brainy connection for those who need such things to declare more clearly what is being birthed into our people, the spirit of Moses. Moses, who led with no violence, spoke truth, established order among those who followed the way to salvation, who did not desire power or chase after it, but finally allowed it to be birthed within him, who relied on the strength and support of counsel, uncompromising, persistent in adversity, humble, delegator, and active listener of the voice of God. That's what resonated with me with you. The Bible says of Moses that there was no, uh, there was no man that ever lived that was more humble than Moses, and he had to lead four million people. Two to four million people, depending on your perspective. And this is what she sent me. In our tears and agony, we hold our children close and confront the truth. Our future is dark. Depending on who you listen to, I mean, Joe Biden said the whole winter is going to be dark. But my faith dares me to ask, what if this darkness is not the darkness of the tomb, but the darkness of a womb? What if America is not dead, but a country waiting still to be born, and I would add again. I will go on record and prophetically declare, Jezebel, you shall not have this republic. As I said earlier, Psalms 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. The days of living under the pseudo-tyranny of evil persecutors in the name of political correctness are coming to an end. I hear a trumpeting voice declaring, let my people go. And everybody better say, amen. Now let's look at the crucifixion of Jesus and see the parallels that exist. Tiberius Caesar was a dictator, and he was the emperor of Rome during the life of Jesus. Rome was essentially a republic, but constitutionally he had the opportunity and the right to rule as a dictator. More than talking about the man, I want to focus on what he represented. He represented the mightiest empire that was ever known up until that time. More mighty than the Babylonians and more, uh, even mightier than the Persians and all the other empires, that had, the Egyptian, that had existed before. The empire of Rome stretched throughout the known world at the time. Caesar was literally deified. All Caesars were deified post-mortem. But Tiberius Caesar and his, and his predecessor were actually deified while they were alive. They literally made gods of these people. Does that remind you of anybody that want to make gods of our political leaders as if we need some sort of a pseudo-savior, as if Jesus can't do the job himself? Now, you're going, to have a, you're going to have a lot of opportunity to be mad at me today, so just try not to. Try not to. I thought I'd just, I'm going to spread this out across the whole crowd. You might get real mad or you might get free, depending on your perspective. 
The people worshipped a man whose rule was marked by an insatiable appetite for bloodshed. Ancient Rome was essentially a military empire that dominated by staying in the state of continual conflict. Now, what does that sound like? War after war after war after war. I'm looking for the time when we study war no more. Remember that old song, we're not going to study war no more? Yeah, we're going there. We're headed there. In the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is dominated and ruled by righteousness and by peace and by joy. It is not a rule of domination. It is a rule of dominion, but it's not a rule of domination. It was an oppressive form of government that taxed the people throughout the empire, including 80% annually of the crop that came from the, from the continent of Africa. That's how they say, all this came to Rome. Bring it to Rome. Bring it to the kingdom. Bring it to the empire. Bring it to the empire. The empire needs to be greater, 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 greater. By bloodshed, let's make it greater. By murder, let's make it greater. Whatever it is, let's make it greater. This was what was happening at that time. You better, if you're honest with yourself, you'll say there are some striking resemblances to the Roman Empire and not the United States people, but definitely the United States government. I'm talking about the corporation of the United States. I'm not talking about the nation. And in case you don't know, you might want to study your history books. In the late 1800s, the United States is a corporation. And it is not the same as what was founded in the Constitution. I'll leave that for you to study. It ain't my job to do your studying for you. And yet Jesus, I'm sorry, let me, let me, to stay in power. Finally, there is no indication that Caesar ever knew Jesus. Biblically, we never find, none of the early historians ever say that Caesar ever even knew or heard of Jesus. We don't know. And maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I can guarantee you by now he has. <laughs> but, but I don't know about then. You know, there's no indication that he did. And yet Jesus was put to death in large part because his following was a threat to the establishment, to the political establishment. Now, I'm not one of those theologians that rails about empire. God knows there's plenty of people that do that, and they get so far off railing against it, they forget the focus was supposed to have been Jesus, and all they cry about is empire, 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 and really all they're doing is making people focus on the stupid empire instead of bringing it back around with our focus on the kingdom of God and the king. My dad taught me years ago, don't you ever do a conversation, don't you ever preach a message, don't you ever get on that stage and leave people in the dark. Bring them to light, bring them to the positive, bring them back to the Father. Do it all the time. Did he not? He taught us this. I truly believe that a nation, the nation in which we live has and can serve a godly purpose, but this last year has given us a glimpse of the ridiculous tyranny that other nations have had to face by their oppressive government. You can't be religious in China. They will lock you up. Right now, I was there in India. I was there in India because I, I don't want you to think that I'm trying to promote a specific agenda politically. That's not what I'm doing. My, my agenda, I promise you, is about the king and his kingdom. But it does have to do with where we are right now. When I went to India 20, almost 23 years ago now, 1998, my first trip, I was on the phone with my brother-in-law at the time, Mike Jenkins. And that time, you'd go into a phone booth and you'd use a little card, a prepaid card. That's how we talked. And they were very expensive. And, and I called him. And here comes militant Muslims down the street marching. And I had to drop the phone. They was hanging by the cable and run to get in the compound where I was staying because I didn't want to die as a 20-year-old. What's crazy is at that time, India was about 80% uh, or maybe even 85% uh, 85% Hindu, about 10% Muslim, and only about 5% Christian. By and large, the Hindu people were, were peaceable people, but they just served dead gods, and, and they, they have tens of thousands of them. You know, if you got a snotty nose, you, you, serve the, you, know, you worship the god of a, of, a, of, a, of a snot rag that day or whatever. It's they, it was the kind of gods they made were just ridiculous. You know, the Muslims serve their dead god as well. We know Jesus is the, is the one living Savior. But 
There are other nations. We're, we, we've just gotten a glimpse. I remember Charles Johnson saying this in our church. For those of you that were there in the 90s, Keith, you would remember. He literally said the United States is going to come a place in the, in the next 20 years where we understand what it's like to have to live as a third world country. If I were to tell you two years ago, hey, man, you're going to have uh, tyrannical governors that are going to overstep their authority and tell you what you can and can't wear, who you can and can't have in your house, how many you can and can't have. And by the way, you're going to do it, but they're not going to do it. They don't, have to, they don't have to stay and listen to, you know, they don't have to abide by their own mandates. By the way, they're not laws. They're, they're edicts. Uh, it's not a law. Governors don't make laws. Legislators make laws. Just to be clear about this, a governor has zero right, according to the Constitution, to tell you how many people can come to your house. You want to come to my house, I don't care if 70 of you want to come today. Probably today's not a good day. i got other things to do. But someday, well, you can come to my house. I don't care what Cooper, and I don't care if he's a Republican or Democrat. I think we've learned very clearly in the past few weeks, it really don't matter what side of the aisle you're on. They're on one team, and we're all on another team. Well, you don't talk politically a whole lot. Fasten your safety belts. Jesus didn't either, except when he was asked. And when he was directly asked, he said, look, whose image is on this coin? Well, this is Caesar's. He said, I'll tell you what, give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God what's God's. God, he was, I love his wisdom. He never said give Caesar the coin. He never even indicated the coin was Caesar's. He just said give to Caesar what's Caesar's. And give to God what's God. Let's think about this. A coin that bore the image of Caesar. You are a son and daughter, and you bear the image of God your father. You belong to him before you have... Anyways, thank you, Jesus. And so i got to move on. Now, um, I've seen the oppression. I see the U.S. as its people more than its government. And that's what I love. And that's what I was speaking to. And its original design. Don't, you don't need to try to give me your revisionist history. I know the history of the United States. I know what God's purpose was behind it. I know when he spoke to George Washington and called him son of the republic. I can tell you a whole lot of stuff you probably don't know that is a part of your history as a United States citizen. Are there atrocities that have happened over the years? Absolutely. Were the early settlers, were, were there, was there an issue with the Native Americans? Obviously, yes. And no, We can talk about Trail of Tears. We can talk about all the stuff. But ultimately, this nation was founded because they didn't want to have the tyranny to tell you how you can worship a how you can't worship. The same stupidity that these morons, oh, these people, I'm sorry, in government are trying to tell us to do today. I don't need you to tell me how many people I can and can't have in my house. You can take your mask and shove it where the sun don't shine. If I want to wear it, it's going to be because I chose to wear it, not because you told me to wear it. I'd like, for, I'd like for Roy Cooper to come to this church and get in my face and tell me to put a mask on. See how quickly that lasts. This is going to be on the internet, ain't it? Josh, you better get that mask. Get out of here. And all the rest of them. This is not what our country was founded on. For God's sake, it's not. This is not the United States of America. I'm going to move on. At this point, I just don't care anymore. You, you probably have figured that out by now. <clears throat> but to say the government has be, hasn't become oppressive is entirely disingenuous. The main point of, his, of this character of Caesar is its part in the killing of Jesus and the appetite for war. Now let's look secondarily. First, we have the character of Caesar, the Roman Empire, which I would compare to our, those that are in power in government right now. Not all of them, but those, the, 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 the machine, the government machine of the United States. Second, there was Caiaphas, who was the high priest, 
the high priest of the Sanhedrin. This was a Jewish high priest that was, that, <coughs> that was his birthright to become the high priest. He was a Jew. He was of the, he was of the lineage of, 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 of Abraham. This was a man that had the right to be there. And he loved to dress up in his righteous robe. And he loved to tell people, do this and don't do that. And he was, according to Jesus, a whitewashed sepulcher. He's a far cry from Aaron, which was not really the first high priest, but the first manifestation of a high priest. Jesus was and is the first high priest. In fact, he's a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, but we'll leave that for another time. Caiaphas and the religious leaders of the day had formed somewhat of an alliance with the empire to rid themselves of Jesus. Well, you telling me church people are going along with a tyrannical government because of the things that Jesus is saying that is radically different than what they've been their power structure was being challenged. They stood in their robes and sat on their pompous, pious chairs and sought to destroy Jesus because he was a threat to their way of life. His message was, I am the way to the Father. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's not what they said he is. If you see me, you see the Father. The Bible says that the glory of God was found in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul would go on to say that Jesus was the perfect expression of the Father. In fact, if I were to put it in language of 2021, I would say Jesus was everything the Father ever wanted to say about himself. If you can't say it about Jesus, you should not be saying it about Father. This is, you should know this. I've preached this for years. This isn't new. Some of you are still hung up on the fact that I don't happen to like Roy Cooper. My God, there's a whole lot on both sides I don't like, so don't, don't get it twisted. Here's what I do like. I like Jesus. I like liberty. I'm preaching the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I declare thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I, I will declare that. They stood in their robes and their pompous, pious chairs and sought to destroy Jesus because his message was, I'm the way to the Father. Religious leaders then and now need to be needed. I don't. I just, I, I, whatever part of the gene that should have been passed down to me to get that, I didn't get it. I don't care. I don't need you to need me. What I want to do is empower you to realize you don't need a priest to go between you and God. You, we have forever a high priest after the order of Melchizedek that is our way to approach the Father. You don't need me. I'm just here to encourage you. I'm coaching you. The best thing I am is a coach. I'm just trying to coach you. You can do it. I've never forced a kid to shoot or kick or do anything else. I've never been inside a child's body teaching. But I just say, you can do it. Here's the mechanics. This is how you do it. Go do it. Go do it. You got it. You go. Don't give up. That's all I'm doing today is trying to help you out a little bit. Coach, you give you the mechanics and tell you you're more powerful than you think you are. Hmm. Many religious leaders then and now are what Jesus called whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. No life. No Holy Spirit. No real relationship with the Father. Men who preach because they earned a degree, but they've never heard the heartbeat of the Father that was being expressed by His only begotten Son. I know people that jump from church to church because one church gives them a salary advance above the last church. And say that's what God told them to do. No, you're in this for a career. You need money. You're a, you're a, you're a hypocrite. You're a wolf in sheep's clothing. And don't think I won't call you out. You went to seminary and you had a bunch of people that were not spirit-filled that wrote a bunch of books and you learned what to say and you learned how to say it and you learned about hermeneutics and you learned all this stuff. But what you didn't do was you didn't spend enough time up against Jesus' breast that you could hear the heartbeat of the Father. 
I'll take someone like John that was, un, the Bible says that the, in the New Testament, they took note of Jesus' disciples that they were ignorant and unlearned men, but they knew there's one thing about them that's different than the pious preachers up in the pulpit and, 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 and Caiaphas and all of his gang. They took note they had been with Jesus. Caiaphas' shadow did nothing but cast a darker shadow on anybody that he passed by. But people that had been with Jesus and heard the voice of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth, would walk by and their shadow cast cast upon laymen would cause strength to come into their ankle bones and strength to come into their knees. They were ignorant and unlearned, but they had taken time to put their head on the chest of Jesus and they were so close to his chest like John that they could hear the heartbeat of God. I wonder if that's why John was given the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because every time you find him in his New Testament, in the test, New Testament of John, that's not one of the synoptic gospels, but that's the gospel of John. It said, and John would put his head on the breast of the master. He could hear his heartbeat. Rick Hamrick prophesied to me at my daddy's old church, and there probably weren't 30 people there. He said, I had a vision of you last night or a dream. And he said, I saw you, and you, uh, you laid your head on God's chest. And, and the Lord said, continue to look. And your head went through his chest until your ear landed on the heart of God. And he said, that one hears my heartbeat. Oh, I've set them off now. Oh, my goodness, what's happening? <laughs> Men who preach that earn a degree, but they have never heard the heartbeat of the Father that was expressed by His only begotten Son. Men who oppress people for filthy lucre, and they seek to be adored. Men who ultimately shout, according to John 19, 15, We have no king but Caesar. They stood in Pilate's Hall, and they bring the last two characters of my message today, they bring the Christ, and they bring a criminal. And representing Caesar was in the middle, Pilate, who was the, 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 the procurator at that time, and out in the crowd was the last character, was Caiaphas and his chief priest going among the people saying, when, when they call out, yell out, give us Barabbas, give us the criminal. Because in, in 2021, there are so many people that pile into the church and they'd rather have a criminal in government than to have Christ in their hearts. Oh, my God. And they said, yell out and cry out for the criminal. Cry out for Barabbas. And they said, but, but what do you mean? You, this is the king of the Jews. This is the king. And, and Caesar points over, Pilate points over to Jesus and said, this is your king. And they said, we have no king but Caesar. Nothing more dangerous than someone in a podium that will be in cahoots with the government to shut up the voice of Christ. And that would rather have a criminal released than have Jesus Christ manifest in his people. And you're living in it in 2021. We have no king but Caesar. How many people are looking on one side or the other for a pseudo-savior instead of putting their hope and faith in Jesus Christ the righteous? Look, nations will pass away and the earth will pass away, but Jesus said, but my words will never pass away. Barabbas is called a notorious prisoner in Matthew 27, 16, and Mark 15, 7. It's echoed in Luke 23, 19. He was in prison with the rebels who had committed murder during the insurrection against the occupying Roman forces. This is where I think a greater percentage of the American church would identify with Barabbas. 
than they would with the criminal, than they would even with Caesar and Caiaphas. I've already named who those people are. You know who they are. The Caiaphases that are filling pulpits this morning, that are happy to go along just to get along. But most of the people that I'm aware of are, are more than happy identifying with the criminal Barabbas. Because Barabbas, he hated Roman occupation. That's a good thing. To be clear, that's a good thing. He was sick and tired of having, just like I was a minute ago, of having a bunch of tyrants tell him what he was going to do and how he was going to do it and killing his women that, are, that were, his, that were his, uh, a part of his country and killing their babies and day after day walking in, through all these ro roads of the Roman Empire and seeing crosses with Jews nailed to them because they dared to speak against the empire. And he was ticked off. He was done with it. He was tired of it. And I think this is where this is the danger where most of the church in America is, is right now because we're sick and tired of all the stuff. That's not a bad thing. The bad thing is not feeling that way. The bad thing is, what are you doing about it? I was there. You weren't, so you don't get to speak with, with education about it. You saw what they told you on the television. I was there. I can tell you for a fact, when I walked through the city in Washington, and I didn't know any of this was going to happen. Obviously, I was there on kingdom purpose, but God led me by people so that I could see. And I'm thinking, this is, all, this is weird. There, was these, there were these guys in black hoodies all throughout the city, just sporadically throughout the city, and they had nothing to do whatsoever with what was going on. You know, you, you went to a specific place in the mall, and you were watching, waiting for the president to come out if that's what you were there for. The, the Senate was over in the Capitol doing their thing, but these guys were just sporadically throughout the city with their black hoodies on. And, and I, rem I remember, like, it's like the Lord was telling me, T pay attention. So that's what I'm doing. I'm paying attention. I'm walking through the city. I'm like, this is weird. Everything's happening over there. What, what are these guys? These guys sporadically through. The guy with the horns. You, we saw, I saw that guy. I mean, they were all there. But they were out of place. And you knew it wasn't right. They weren't there talking about, you know, Hope Trump overthrows. That's not what they were there for. And ultimately, so when I prayed what I had to pray, the Lord said, okay, now you leave. It was in the middle of President Trump giving his speech. And I don't have a thing in the world against what his speech was. It was essentially this. If you've heard him once, you've heard him a thousand times talking about the election fraud. And so I'm going to my car. I went there to do what God told me to do. I wasn't there for Biden, against Biden, for Trump, against God. I was there for the kingdom of God because he sent me. And so I leave. Well, then he, I hear as I'm walking in, president's over here. He says, now we're going to take to Pennsylvania Avenue. And we're going to march down. And I'm going to march with you down to the Capitol building. And we're going to let the senators know we're gonna put, that we're not going to stand for our election to be stolen. We're going to do it civilly. And we're going to do it peaceably. But we're going to let them know. Those were his words. I can, I can almost assure you none of you heard that if you watched the stuff that was happening on TV. But that's what he said. You're going to like him or hate him. I couldn't care less. He's not my Savior. Jesus is. Like him or hate him, but that's what he said. He never said anything about, let's go tear him down, let's go kill a bunch of people. But then these monkeys start climbing the wall. You saw it, you know, these Barabbases. We're going to take back what's ours, and we're going to take it by force. By God, it don't matter how many Romans have to die, because a whole bunch of Jews have died. This is the voice of Barabbas. You better be careful, because it's subtle, and it's slimy, and it'll slide into your heart if you're not careful, and you'll begin hating the very people that Jesus has sent you to redeem. And they're climbing up in the Capitol and they're going to overthrow an obviously, yes, tyrannical, out of control government that doesn't care about you. It doesn't matter who they are. They don't know you and they probably will never know you. And they don't care about you. They care about what they're doing. They care about what they're But it doesn't give you a right to have the thought of murder in your head. You better be focused on the kingdom because if you're not, you're going to miss what Jesus is trying to do today. Caesar, Caiaphas, a criminal. And then finally, the Christ. 
bleeding to death, having been whipped with a cat of nine tails, which was essentially balls and shards of metal and glass that they would put into his back as he held there at a whipping post. And when they would pull it off his back, it would pull the flesh and the meat from his body. And the Bible says when they were finished that it was, his back was like a plowed garden. Bleeding to death, having been abused. Am I saying that you've not been taken advantage of or abused? Absolutely. But having been abused, having been beaten almost to the point of death, and he, he put a crown of thorns upon his head, these thorns this long, and they shove it down into his head. What is the, what is the symbology? The symbology of it was going to be he that knew no curse took the curse upon his head. Remember in the Garden of Eden when the curse came, and the Bible says, and there will be thorns and thistles that will grow among you. The crown of thorns upon Jesus' head was symbolic that he that knew no sin was made to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He took the curse so that we wouldn't have to live anymore in the curse. And what was the curse? The curse is the law of sin and death. We don't live under the law of sin and death unless we choose to eat of the, free, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I know I'm saying a whole bunch of stuff that you may or may not understand yet. Listen to it 15 times and ask God to open it up. If you continue to pull fruit off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is to say when I do good, I deserve to get good, and when I do bad, I deserve to get bad. When you, when you eat of that fruit, you will die. You will surely die every time. Something will experience death. But if you eat of the tree of life, Speaking of the tree of life, he's bleeding to death. And just beside him is Pilate representing Caesar. Just on the other side of him is Barabbas representing the criminal. And out in the crowd is Caiaphas representing the church leaders. So we have no king but Caesar. There's another scripture that said in the New Testament, if they had known, if they had known, it was Peter I believe it was his inaugural message, probably in Acts chapter 2 or so. If they had known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. And how many of us, because of the stupidity that's happened and the oppression that has been put on us, not real, now don't misunderstand me. I know the difference between being persecuted and having some oppression. You don't know persecution yet, believe me. Having to wear a mask, which I find utterly ridiculous. Not that you wear it. If you want to wear it, that's not a problem. But being told you're going to have to wear it when science has proved again and again, it's probably not, especially the mask that you're wearing, they're not doing anything for COVID. I mean, it's just the science. You go look it up for yourself. If you want to wear it, God bless you and I'm for you. And you won't hear a bad word, but you should never have to be told you have to wear it. That's the point. That's not... that. that that's not, this is not persecution. That's oppression at best. Persecution is when they come into your home and they take your children because you say, I'm not taking the vaccination or I am or whatever or whatever. I'm not telling you to or not to. That's between God and you. It doesn't matter. And if you want to know what my family is going to do, don't ask me because it's none of your business. You could probably figure it out by the tone of my voice this morning, but let's just leave it at that. I'll never be told by anybody that I'm going to be forced to put anything in my body, in her body, or my kid's body. I can tell you that. Now, that might make a Barabbas come in. You try to put something in her body, then it didn't come for me. I, I'm, there's, there's a certain part of me, you know, that it is what it is. You tell me I'm going to grab your kids and put something, stick something in their body without my permission, and then, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you know, I'm going to do what I got to do.
Yeah, God forgive me. Yeah. Better to get forgiveness than permission. Ain't that the old thing? I, I, I just want you to see bleeding to death, standing there. What is Jesus saying in the midst of real persecution? He's literally been tortured to death. In fact, you can read any historian and you can read any science of today, and they, there are plenty of, there's plenty of information out there, people that have done studies of what that man went through. If they had never crucified him, he wasn't going to make it through the rest of the day anyways. He was going to die solely based alone on what they had already done to him before he ever even picked up the cross. And so Pilate, representing Caesar, says, which one can I deliver until you? Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Give us the criminal. It's the same cry of the church today. We're going to take it back by force by God. And if I got to get my second amendment rights and blow some people's heads off, we're going to take what's ours. They're not going to. You better be careful because you don't know what spirit you're of. You don't know what spirit you're of. Am I suggesting you give away your guns? No, that's between you and God. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, if God tells you to do something to protect yourself or your family, that's, that, then, then do what God tells you to do. But don't be listening to the mobs that says, we're going to take it back. And by God, we're going to climb the walls. And we're going to choke those sinners until they don't, they don't certify this election. You better be careful. You don't know what spirit you're of. You've been programmed to believe something. And it doesn't matter if you're looking at the right or the left of what media is telling you. You better be careful that your programming is not causing you to say something that if you had known, you would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Not getting a whole lot of fans today. That's all right. I didn't necessarily expect to. The name Barabbas appears nowhere else in the New Testament. Nor do any of the Gospels give any information about his previous or subsequent life. This is going to blow your mind, I promise you. I wanted to get to this. The name is probably an Aramaic patronymic, meaning son of the father. Bar, Bar Abbas, Bar Abba, son of the father. Or son of the teacher maybe, Rabboni, Rabbi. Indicating... That his father was a Jewish leader. According to the early biblical scholar Origen and other commentators, the full name of Barabbas was probably Jesus Barabbas. Jesus, son of the father. I want to ask you today, those of you that think you're identifying with Jesus with a hateful spirit and a bloodthirsty attitude, are you sure? That the Jesus you're identifying with is not that of Barabbas instead of the one is the Christ. Because the voice of the Christ was saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The one who was the Christ would look and say, you would have no power at all over me except it were given you from above. The one that was the Christ would say, I have come to bear witness to the truth. And anyone that hears my voice knows the truth. And he would say, what is truth? I mean, this was the voice of the Christ that would say, Father, why have Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because if Jesus was forsaken, I can guarantee you, you'll never have to be. And yet, he was not forsaken. It was to fulfill scripture because the Bible is clear. Jesus was not God's whipping boy. The Bible says that God was in Christ Jesus on the cross reconciling the world unto himself. Jesus' eye was on a bigger prize than to make a fool out of Caesar and Pilate and the criminal or Caiaphas. 
Caiaphas did do one thing that he didn't know that he was doing at the time, but he did one thing that had a whole lot of wisdom, and it bears repeating today. He said, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. He didn't mean it for good, but the father said, that's exactly the plan. My blood will be upon my blood will be upon you and upon your children because I've got a deeper plan for mankind. I've got a higher order for mankind. I'm coming from a different dimension. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, God Almighty. Yeah. Caiaphas, Caesar, the criminal, and the Christ. I'm trying to finish. That's the way of Jesus. It's hard for some of us to grasp, but Jesus is the eternal king of the eternal kingdom. And every other kingdom will pass. To be sure, you better listen to this, every other kingdom will pass. But he said that my words will never pass away. Oh. His kingdom is above. It's a kingdom of love and honor. Where his enemies are the lies that we've believed about ourselves and about him where his enemy is not flesh and blood but his enemy was death, the curse, and sin. Can you imagine Jesus standing there knowing full well in his mind this man doesn't know what he's doing and these soldiers don't know what they're doing. He was willing to die to redeem their original intent, which was image bearers of the Father. They were not his enemies. <laughs> it was so funny. Jesus was cool. He said, uh, my kingdom's not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my angels fight. Think not that I could call 12 legions of angels. 12 legion. Was it legion 6,000 to 12, whatever, 16,000? Can you imagine what kind of damage 72,000 angels could do? Don't you think that at any moment I could call? I've got a higher purpose. I've got a different plan. And if you ever will spend enough time along with the Father, you'll hear the voice of the Father coming through the Son, revealed by the Spirit, that fighting your brother ain't the answer. And it never was. Hating your brother, it ain't the answer. And it never was. The us and them paradigm needs to be erased. It's just us. We're one human body. And they might have their minds confused. And they may have done bad stuff. And look, here's the way I say it. Let God take care of that when he wants to take care of it. I've already said he's a good father and he knows how to administer perfect discipline. That's on him. It ain't our job. His enemy was not flesh and blood, but his enemy was death, the curse, and sin. And he came by death or and by death, eradicated death, freeing us to have everlasting life and live the Jesus way. What's the Jesus way? Love your enemies. This was the constitution of the New Testament, the constitution of the New Covenant. He stood on the Mount of Olives and gave it to them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's one of my favorites. I used to think it meant if you got pure enough, you would see God. Jesus was very clear by his Holy Spirit. He taught me that's not what I said. Well, what did you say? What I said was, if you're pure in heart, you'll see God everywhere you look. 
You don't have to get pure enough to see God. But as your heart is purified, you're going to begin to see, you mean God can save that guy and this guy, and he loves that one as much as he loves me? You mean God equally loves Donald Trump and Joseph Biden and Kamala Harris and Mike Pence? You mean God loves us all? You mean he sees us as his children, confused, and, and, and God knows having done evil stuff? Absolutely. But what the enemy wants to do is try to divide because his plan has always been to divide and conquer. I don't think that, these, that some of these guys are good people. Don't misunderstand me. But I think that they're still image bearers of the Father. There's a reason they're still alive. Jesus did. He said, look, they that are whole don't need a physician, but they that are sick. I didn't come call, to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Some of you that just got mad at me when I said Biden, I'd say 90% Biden. There might be some Trump, people that hate Trump too, or said Trump. You're the same ones that be like, wait a minute, you telling me, you tell me I, you're going to eat in that sinner's house? You're going to say Jesus died for Biden, Jesus died for Trump? Yep, he died for you too, you rascal. You hateful spirit that just thought that, he died for you too. <clears throat> Hello, hey, how many love me? The one that does went back there. <laughs> There's one. His enemy was not and is not flesh and blood. It was sin, death, and the curse. And he came and by death eradicated death, freeing us to have life everlasting and live the Jesus way, the way of love and honor, keeping no records of wrong. Here's the Jesus way. Here's the Jesus way. You know this. If I were to speak with the eloquence of earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I did not express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. If I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that can move mountains, but I never had learned to love, then I'm nothing. If I were to be so generous as to give away everything that I own to feed the poor and offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. How many? Did you know in the Greek I looked up the word all? You know what all means? All. If all don't mean all, then whosoever don't mean whosoever. It refuses to be jealous when blessings comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat for it never gives up. My God, what a word. Love, he, he won't give up on you. He doesn't give up on you. Love never gives up on you. He doesn't give up on you. If you knew what I did, he knows what you did, and he still ain't going to give up on you. Are you kidding me? He's the kind of one that says, I'm glad that you 99 are doing well, but I can't sleep until I get my one baby back. I'm going to get the one that's gone. He's, my God, he's the one that'll buy the entire field, and which is to say, put up with all your crap, because he knows inside the middle of you is the image of himself that he wants to redeem back. I'll buy the whole field to get the treasure that's in the middle of it. He ain't going to give up. Love never gives up. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. You don't need the prophetic when you're living in, uh, when you're, when you're living in manifestation. When you live in the fullness of manifestation, we don't need prophecy. Prophecy. 
By the way, in case you didn't know, uh, prophecy ain't just telling you your future and telling you God told me that, you know, you need to go buy 16 packs of hamburger meat and 14 packs of stuff and like that. And by the way, you can buy it from my, you can buy it from my product line. Here's my number. Here's your credit card. Give it to me. The Bible says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. All you've been exposed to since I took this mic this morning is the spirit of prophecy. <clears throat> it is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial. But when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters, for I saw things like a child, and I reasoned like a child, but the day came when I matured, and I set aside my childish ways. You know, I got six kids. I know something about childish ways. Here's some of the ways. I didn't do it. It's his fault. He did it. I literally said yesterday, I walk in, and my four boys are lounging out all over the couches. The door's wide open, which I've asked them 913.78 times to close when they leave the room. Have you ever asked your kids, what is it about when we become dads, Jason, that we really just want to make sure they turn the lights off? I walk into my living room. Uh, guys, why is, the, why is the door open? Oh, I didn't do it. What about you? I don't know. I didn't do it. It might have been Jason. Jason, no, it wasn't me. It was David. David, did you? I don't know. I probably was Isaac. Who knows? That's childish ways. It's his fault that we're in this position. It's their fault. It's her fault. It's the blame game. It's the accuser. And the accuser of the brethren is the enemy. The word, the Satan, Satan, not the proper word Satan that you think is an actual person, maybe or maybe not, but the word Satan, it just means accuser or adversary. If you're always accusing your brother, guess whose spirit you're operating in? Hate to be the one to tell you, Satan is not the guy walking around with a red suit on and pitchforks and horns in his head. Satan is the energy that goes inside of you when you say it's his fault. And we wouldn't be in this David. It's, it's the spirit of the accuser. Accuser of the brethren. I mean, George Clooney knew that. Didn't he say? No, he's the one that thought that Satan had the pitchfork and the stuff. And oh, brother, where art thou? Remember? When I was a child, I spoke with, as a child, for I saw things as a child, and I reasoned like it. But the days came when I matured. The Bible says, listen to me, don't miss this, listen to me, don't miss this, that we are the joiners with Christ and heirs of God. You've read that, right? And he also goes on to say, but an heir differs nothing at all, is nothing different at all than a slave until the day he matures. I just wonder how my blessing ain't coming because you're an immature little thing. You need to grow up some. You need to take some responsibility. That's why you ain't got the blessing of the Father. Is it yours? Yes. Is it at your grasp? Yes. Well, why don't I get it? Because you're too busy accusing everybody else for something you should take responsibility for yourself. Oh, man. You better grow up. You better grow up. It would be, it would be completely and utterly irresponsible for me to take the keys to my truck, which, by the way, the battery's dead. I need to jump before I leave. Somebody help me out with that. I got cables, but the battery's dead. It would be irresponsible. Thank you, Dustin. It would be irresponsible for me to say, hey, Rachel, because I love you so much and because you're my princess and because one day when I'm 197 years old and I'm tired of being here and God takes me or whatever, I want you to have this truck. I'm just going to go ahead and give it to you now. Here are the keys. See you later. What a stupid, irresponsible, dumb thing to do. Father's the same way. He ain't going to do it with you either. He knows if he were to give you everything that you have coming to you right now in your maturity, you'd destroy people with it. And so you wonder, well, I'm not blessed. Well, I'm not blessed because you're a baby and you refuse to grow up. That's why. 
Offended by everything. The most offended people in the world live in the church. You wonder why in the world the church don't grow up? Because you're an offended little brat that should have had your... I can tell you, you want, me, you want me to go on? I'll go on, believe me. Believe me. I, I'm a, I just declare, God, we're going to win the nations. But your own family is so offended that... Did uh, I say it? Well, I can't believe it. He said to me, I tell you what, I won't tithe. I won't show up. I won't go. I'll skip the functions. I'll let him know just how... I'll let him know just how... I mean, I mean he got my... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you will perpetually stay in a state of offense, which means you will perpetually stay without the blessing of the Father because you are an immature little brat that needs to grow up and have somebody tell you, grow up, take response, not because we need you to grow up, but because the kingdom needs for you to grow up. We need sons and daughters that bear his image. Offended at every little thing that happens. Well, And wonder why the blessing of God don't rest on your house because you're a brat and you need to grow up. That's why. Yep, that's what it says. You're a brat. You need to grow up. That's why. For now we see, but a faint reflection. You laugh because you're thinking, that sounds like my husband. I just heard it myself. When dad used to do these things, I'm like, God, dad, you're going to run them off. Would you shut up? Shut up. We want to eat. This is how you pay bills. Would you shut up? I saw Jake back there in the back row. He just kind of went, no. No, Jacob's sitting there, but I'm talking about Jake, and he's my, he's my prodigal son. Not prodigal son, my adopted son. God, he's going to say yes. Abby's, over, Abby's got too much to listen to her. She's up there, amen, preach it, daddy, preach it. Jake's on this side like, God, what are we going to eat for a month? Yeah. My, 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 I better not say it that way, Lord. Just trying to tell you, trying to help you. I am trying to help you. I hope you believe that. I want, to see, I want to see you walk into the fullness of the kingdom. I want to see you walk into the fullness of your inheritance. You're never going to hear me preach against or for getting a mansion one day because I couldn't care less. What I want you to do is realize you are the mansion. His spirit lives in you and you can live in life. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have life more abundantly. That's what I'm trying to get you to. But you'll never walk in abundant life if you're offended by everything that's breathed about you. My God, if I was offended by everything that was said, I'd have been off Facebook yesterday. A bunch of clowns had a bunch of dumb stuff to say. I don't care. You know what I know? You're ignorant. You don't know what you're talking about. It doesn't make me pious. It doesn't make me pompous. It doesn't make me egotistical. It means that I'm right. That sounded like him too. Is that what you said? Look, I got this by DNA. I can't help it. I'm almost finished. I know you're hungry, and Logan's rolls are going to get cold soon. Take your mask or they won't let you in. My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything just as everything about me has been fully understood. Whoa, what a word. Until then, there are three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love. And as the King James says, but the greatest of these. It actually says charity, which my dad taught us years ago. It means love in action. Love is not a feeling to be felt. It's an action to be learned comes with feeling but it's not the feeling it's not an emotion it's an action this is the action of love people slander you and say things about you or whatever and you live peaceable and you're just trying to help encourage people you don't go back at them don't be an accuser father forgive them you don't know how many times I said that this week father forgive them I want to say the ignorant wretches don't know what they're doing but Jesus didn't say it that way so I couldn't say it I just said father forgive them because they don't know what they're doing 
My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything, and I will know as I am known. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Love, that's the Jesus way, and it won't be defeated. Let's all stand. I'm finished. You made it. You survived. I don't want to make light of, you know, your emotions and the things you've been through. I know that we, as United States citizens, are programmed from the time we're babies to believe and, and, and see things a specific way. You may not know that yet, but that is the, that is the case. And you go through a schooling system that teaches you to believe and, and think a specific certain way. And it's ingrained within you. I don't think all of it's necessarily bad. That's not what I'm saying. I think you should be a patriot of your country. I, I love that. I love, look, there's a lot of you that think that I don't love this country. You never even left the country. I've left it multiple times. And I can tell you for a fact, there's not a better feeling in the world that I can think of when then that plane lands back on United States soil having been overseas. I love this country. I love it completely, and I love it utterly, and I love what God's intention was for it. I don't like the way that those in power have prostituted the republic for their own gain, and I'm not for that. I'm not for that, but I am for the United States. Just to be very clear, make sure this gets on the cut, Isaiah. I love this country. There's something free, and there's something, not, there's a spirit of freedom. There's a spirit of liberty in this place, and you, and you, you finally land back in the United States, so and you take the... You breathe the fresh air. There's nothing like it in the world. And I've been. I'm not necessarily the most traveled person, but I've been on five continents. I've been, I think, like 16 countries or through 16. I know a little bit about what, and nothing like landing back home. And yet, the kingdom of God is bigger than the United States. It is. I can promise you right now, you could probably identify yourself with one of the four characters that I talked about in this story. Caesar, Caiaphas, the criminal Christ. I'm praying to God after today, you at least look in the mirror and say, what is my nature reflecting in this critical moment in 2021 where our country seems to be being sold down the drain by those across the world and those that are in political power that don't care about you because they don't. I'm not saying there's no, but I'm talking about the ones that are in power and the ones that are trying to seize power right now. They don't care about you. Only thing they care about you is because they get your tax money to do the stupid stuff they do. I think it's dumb that our country has just signed a bill where $200 billion stays here to help those of us that have been struggling and $700 billion is going overseas to help a bunch. Of, I mean, why do we need gender studies in Pakistan? I think that's stupid. I'll say that up front. That is the most ridiculous thing. People are starving to death in the United States and you've shut down their jobs and businesses, but we need gender studies in Pakistan. Somebody in Washington, D.C. is getting that money back into their pocket. It's being filtered and laundered back to those other countries. That is happening. So don't think that I'm not aware, but I'm aware of a lot more than you probably realize. Even in that, I've got to say, Father, I'm going to make my voice heard. You send me the water. Look, I paid for that just in case anybody was warned. The church did not pay for that. I didn't ask. In fact, Mom didn't even know I was there until I was there or on my way. She said, are you going to Washington? I said, yep. I didn't do it, I didn't do it on the church's dime, and I do it to represent the church. I did it to represent my father and his kingdom because he said go. And when he says go, I know that. And I asked, I begged Elizabeth. She said, no, nah, I ain't going to tell me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then I got Jacob. Daddy, please. Daddy, please take me. Daddy, please take me. In fact, he told his boss, he said, I'm going to Washington. I said, I never told you. Going to. You lie. Hey, well, I'm speaking things that be not as though they were. <laughs> In these coming days, I ask you, I'm asking you, 
to do a self-evaluation and find out what spirit of the four that I've mentioned today that you identify with. And if it ain't the Christ, repent and turn because I promise you, your best days are ahead. God is not going to let this republic be turned over to a bunch of demonic, pedophile. I mean, I'm just telling you, he's not going to have that happen. He will not let that happen. I've already declared it, I'll declare it again. But walk in the spirit of Christ. Open your voice and prophetically declare over the country. Father, thank you for this opportunity to speak to your people. To the best of my ability, with what I believe that you've given me, I've spoken your words and your truth. And I know that it didn't, it didn't gave me any kind of points in here this morning, but that's not what I'm here for, Lord. I'm here to speak truth. I pray, Lord, that those of us that have walked in, Lord, with the temptation to, to, to be a, a cohort with Caesar or with the criminal or with Caiaphas, Lord, would see that our true identity lies in the Christ. And that we, from this day forward, would be uh, image bearers and glory bearers and that we would perpetuate your glory throughout the earth until all darkness is defeated. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.